of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's join our voices with the angels. Hark the herald angels sing. be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks this night for the birth of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray that in the singing of songs and in the telling of your story, that our lives might be changed by the miracle of Christmas. We pray in the name of the Christmas child, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated, and the choir is going to sing for us.
The lesson is from the ninth chapter of Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The word of the Lord. For four weeks we have been traveling towards this scene in Bethlehem. So now as we get ready to hear the word, I'd invite you to remain seated and we'll sing O Little Town of Bethlehem. are arriving now in Bethlehem, and I want you to listen, but I want you to listen with new ears. I want you to clear your head of eggnog and red wine. I want you to forget the political fight you have with Uncle Charlie, uh, the conspiracy theorist at dinner. I need you to stay with me for a few minutes, and you're going to have to focus. Why? Because familiar words are the hardest to hear. But tonight, the familiar words of a story that you hear every year a story immortalized by Linus and Charlie Brown's Christmas. And in that story, there are eight words that we're going to focus on. And they are hidden. They're hidden. And these words are going to offer us illumination for this Christmas. Eight words of honesty, eight words of truth, eight words hidden that will offer us hope amidst the dangers and uncertainty of this world. And so I ask you, are you ready to venture into God's story? And in doing so, finding your own story. If that's where you're at, say amen. amen. Here we go into the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place in the guest room. Now in that same region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. 
To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. This is the Christmas gospel. Thanks be to God. Just dwell in those words for a moment, and we have a piece of special music. Sure, he must have been surprised at where this road had taken him. Cause never in a million lives would he have dreamed of Bethlehem. And standing at the manger. He saw with his own eyes the message from the angel come alive. And Joseph said, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. Why him with all the rulers in the world? Why him? Inside this table filled with hay, why her? She's just an ordinary girl. And now I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say, but this is such a strange way to save the world. Think of how it could have been if Jesus had come as he deserved. There would have been no Bethlehem, no lowly shepherds at his birth. But Joseph knew the reason love had to reach so far. And as he held the Savior in his arms, he must have thought, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. Why him with all the rulers in the world? Why here, inside this table filled with hay? Why her? She's just an ordinary girl. And now I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say. But this is such a strange way to save the world. Oh, 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 oh. And now I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say. But this is such a strange way 
to save the world. This is such a strange way, such a strange way, oh, a strange way to save the world. To, uh, thank you to all of our musicians. We are so blessed by your gifts and the beauty that you share with us, and, and we're just so very appreciative. Uh, thank you for being with us and sharing tonight. Now, the story, the story you just heard, the story as it lives in our collective memories and the culture which developed in the 20th century has morphed into a Hallmark commercial. The Holy Family the ideal for our families, and the entire celebration of Christmas somehow resembles a Norman Rockwell painting or a Thomas Kincaid print or a Chevy commercial that tugs at our heartstrings. We have sanitized and romanticized the ancient story that tells of Jesus' birth. The rough edges are mostly gone, and so is the deeper meaning, the real meaning of Christmas. I ask you, have you ever seen a woman who has just given birth? Now, I'm talking about birth without drugs or medical assistance. Have you ever seen one who had to endure hard labor looking as put together as Mary does? Come on, man. Not a hair out of place for this young mother. The romanticized version of life has not served us very well, turning the Christmas story into a fairy tale. And while fairy tales may contain wisdom and truth, they remain nothing more than a tale. What is it that we can take away this night from a story that's so familiar that we have a hard time even really hearing it? I'm going to suggest that we narrow our focus to eight words. We can do that. Eight words will help us this evening, but the words as I mentioned before, are hidden. So let's see if we can find those eight words together, and perhaps we'll find the real meaning of Christmas. Mary and Joseph made the journey from Nazareth in the hill country of the Galilee to Bethlehem. That's some 90 miles. You've seen the portrayals like this one. Joseph walking, a very pregnant Mary sitting on a donkey. But consider this. Mary and Joseph would have to walk eight hours a day for four days to arrive in Bethlehem, this at nine months pregnant. Today, in this very same land, the land is torn by war, by violence, by hatred. The weapons are more powerful today, but the violence and hatred has not changed a lot. 2,000 years ago, in ancient Palestine, Rome ruled with a sword and an iron fist, and adversaries were put in prison, the common people were mere pawns in the power breakers' plans. Families were oppressed by high taxes. Common people were living a subsistence existence, and they had very little hope of bettering their situation in life. 500 years ago, 1,500 years removed from Christmas, Martin Luther wrote these words. When Mary and Joseph arrived at Bethlehem, they were the most insignificant and despised. No one noticed or was conscious of what God was doing in that stable. He lets the large houses and costly apartments remain empty, lets their inhabitants eat, drink, and be merry, but this comfort and treasure are hidden from them. Oh, what a dark night this was for Bethlehem that was not conscious of that glorious light. See how God shows that he utterly disregards what the world is, has, or desires, and furthermore, that the world shows how little it knows or notices what God is, has, and does. Those words for perspective from Martin Luther. Yes, the journey was difficult, and it was not a chosen journey. This was not a Christmas vacation. This was a grueling trip mandated 
by the powers of the Roman Empire to keep track of, to control, and to tax its subjects. And Bethlehem was not a destination. And even though Joseph had ancient roots there in Bethlehem, it seems clear that he had no family to return to. Remember, the young couple ended up in a stable, not in the mother-in-law's house. The journey was difficult. And once they arrived, the danger only intensified. The outcome was uncertain. The question was not, is it a boy or is it a girl? Let's be clear. Mothers died in childbirth. Babies died in childbirth. And sometimes fathers like Joseph would end up burying their young wives and walking away with a baby in their arms, having never held a baby in their life. No doubt Mary and Joseph were terrified. Well, Luke says, in a rather matter-of-fact way, she gave birth. How's that for a detailed description? Nothing extraordinary here. Jesus was born like you, like me, like millions before him and billions after. He did not emerge from the birth canal, recognizable as the Son of God. He did not perform miracles as soon as he arrived. Hey, Mom, watch me pull a rabbit out of my head. No, the baby Jesus did not come out talking, telling parables. No, what did he do? He did what babies do. He cried. He pooped. He squinted his eyes. He yearned for the comfort of his mother's breast, the source of life that keeps all babies alive. He was as helpless as a baby, unable to survive on his own, all-powerful, hardly vulnerable, absolutely. Jesus, the text tells us, was then wrapped in bands of cloth. Cloth would restrict movement, making the little one snug and comfy. However, we should note that 33 years later, Jesus' dead body would be taken down from the cross and wrapped in bands of cloth for burial. After nursing, he was placed in a stone feed trough. There was no crib for his bed. But in the fields, there were shepherds. They did not look or smell like the adorable children who don robes in our Sunday school plays. No, they looked and smelled like, well, like shepherds. And in the social order, they were just one rung above lepers and prostitutes. They were uneducated. They were the working poor. They had no sheep of their own. No, they kept watch over a flock, but a flock that belonged to a dozen or more poor, but slightly better off village families. Shepherds were removed from society, wandering the hills of Judea, looking for still waters and green pastures. At night, they would put their furry subjects into caves, the caves that dotted the landscape. And then angels appeared to them. Why? What was this thing that God was doing? Bethlehem is only a few miles away from Jerusalem, the holy city of the Holy Land. Why not tell the temple priest? But it was not so on that first Christmas. The shepherds would be the first to hear the good news. The angels told them of a baby born in a stable, a cave, not much different from the dwelling that they were in that night. And then the angels began to dance and sing, joy, joy, joy. Could it be that humans were meant to be joyful? The angels left, and the shepherds were off for Bethlehem. They found the baby as it had been told them, a teenage mother holding the child as a blue-collar carpenter tended the December fire and contemplated a future, a future that now entailed three mouths to feed. Chickens were there and donkeys, a rat or two, and the dumbest of animals, the sheep. No high-class animals were invited. There were no dogs, no shore horses. Cats, well, they were invited, but they chose not to come because it was not their idea. Also on the guest list were three foreigners, strangers, stargazers, Arabs, unclean Gentiles who were not exactly welcome in a Jewish land. There you have it. Those judged to be the lowest, the least, the lost, the unclean, the forgotten. This is the opening scene of the life of Jesus, and it would set the tone. It would set the tone for the 33 years that would follow. So who was missing that night? Missing that night, any hint of the mighty. No religious ones, no priests, no rabbis, no church council members. Caiaphas was 20 years old, 
not invited. Quirinius, the governor of Syria, could care less about this Jewish baby. And in Rome, Caesar Augustus had never even heard of Bethlehem. In Jerusalem, King Herod had a strange feeling in his gut that something was wrong in his vassal kingdom. Now, the shepherds could not stay for long. You know, life is that way. You'll be leaving here shortly. Life's that way, calling us back to flocks unattended, to work that must be done, to crops that must be harvested, to children who must be put to bed. And the shepherds, they had no idea what God was up to, no idea why God would have them included on this first Christmas. But they returned rejoicing, and they were the first to share the good news with all who would listen. Joseph, well, he handed out cigars. You know the kind with the little blue necks around them. But he was also scratching his head and wondering, as Carl just said, wondering, how did he end up in this mess? Why would an all-powerful God act in this way? Who wrote this story? Of course, Joseph did not know that his small family would soon be refugees, fleeing persecution, crossing the border to Egypt, seeking asylum there. And Mary, she treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. She was the chosen one, a common peasant girl. She had a healthy son who now rested in her arms, but it was a son who would never belong to her, a son that she would be unable to protect in life, a son who would never marry, who would never give her grandchildren, a son who would die between two criminals at the age of 33. She treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. A silent night, a silent start. No one seemed to notice what God was doing, and no one certainly understood how God was working. That's the Christmas story. So my friends, if you have ever wondered if God is really listening to your prayers, then you're in good company. And if you have ever wondered if God really cares about you or your troubles, then you're in good company. If you, like me and Mary and Joseph, find God's ways to be mysterious, if God appears to be hidden from sight, then I welcome you to the human race. And I think we all wonder sometime if God is even listening or caring at all. So what insight does this ancient story have for us on this starry, starry night in Freeland? Well, that brings us to where we began. It brings us to the eight words. Eight words from Luke's Christmas narrative. Eight words that I just left out of my little telling. Eight words that I would say hold the key to Christmas. Have you figured it out? Here's the first four. And they were terrified. Who was terrified? The shepherds, of course. But in reality, as we have heard, Mary was terrified. And Joseph was terrified as well. My friends, this is the human journey. We are in this together, and we are terrified. We're afraid of loving. We're afraid of opening our hearts to one another. We're afraid of living. We're afraid of dying. We're afraid of the dark. We're afraid of disability. We're terrified of losing control of our bodies, losing our independence, or losing our minds. What are we? We are fragile. We are broken. And we are hopelessly insecure. We're humans. And we are terrified. The first four words this Christmas, let me hear you say them and they were terrified. But we don't leave it there. No, God responds, as God always does. The angels, the messengers of God, shared four simple words in response to the shepherds, saying, do not be afraid. So let's try this. Wake up. You've got a part to play. Okay, how about I play the part of the humans, you play the part of God. So as a human, uh, that line is mine at the top. And they were terrified. One more time, and they were terrified. Okay, we got to reverse roles now because I want to be God. Um, Okay, so you say it. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do you got it? That's it. Those are the eight words of Christmas. And my friends, I'm with you in this. I'm terrified. I'm a broken human like you. 
And I don't know what it is that causes you fear. I don't know what perceived or real terrors render you sleepless at night. But here is the message from God. Do not be afraid. God's movement may be hidden. God's ways are mysterious. But God is with us still. And God will dry our tears. And God's love for us is unconditional. And you are not alone. Do not be afraid this Christmas. And if you are terrified, know that you're in good company. So Merry Christmas, my friends, and let us help each other to weather the storms of uncertainty and to share the good news of God's love. And in doing so, we will discover the joy and the real meaning of Christmas. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to sing Joy to the World. of the Lord be with you. So with you. Share a greeting of peace with one another. Uh, thank you for sharing in that greeting of peace. Thank you uh, for sharing. There are uh, only two announcements tonight. Only two announcements, and they both start with C. The first one would be candle. Does everybody have your candle? Okay. So this is a little candle tutorial, 30-second candle tutorial. When uh, we come up for Silent Night, we're going to have people go off from the uh, chancel area off to share a lit candle with you. Here's the rule. If your candle is lit, it stays upright. If you're getting your candle lit, you come in from the side. This candle's lit, stays upright. This candle's not, in from the side. Got it? I feel like a stewardess or something. Um, but uh, so that, that's why if you know how to do that, you're going to be just great during the singing of Silent Night that tutorial candles. The second thing is communion. Uh, a word about Holy Communion. In a few moments, uh, we're going to invite you to come forward for Holy Communion. There'll be three stations, one on each side of the baptismal font and one right over here to serve section one. And um, the ushers will help you to come forward. Um, when you get to the baptismal font or the, the station over here, there will be um, wafers, you'll receive that, hold on to it for a moment, and then you dip it and tinct it into the chalice, which has grape juice, only grape juice tonight. But what you need to know is that this is not a Lutheran table, we just work here. This table belongs to Jesus, it doesn't belong to us, 
And the invitation tonight comes to you from this child, from Jesus to come. And it doesn't matter how long you've been away. It doesn't matter if you've never worshipped the Lutherans. It doesn't matter if you haven't been in church in 20 years. You are here today, uh, welcomed today by the invitation of Jesus. You see, you don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to come forward to that invitation that Jesus gives you. And so I hope you know that you're all welcome to Holy Communion. I'm going to transition to the table as the choir sings for us.
If it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. We gather now at a table that welcomed our parents and grandparents, a table that will welcome Christians of a variety of colors and denominations and cultures across the world this day. And as we do so, we remember a Thursday night in an upper room in Jerusalem. It was Holy Week. It was the night in which he was betrayed. And on this night, our Lord Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. It is a mystery. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. Our Father, for the people of God. All are welcome. Please come. You may be seated.
The cold wind blows over the heather, the salt wind blows over the sea, the harsh wind blows down from the mountains and blows a white Christmas to me. The clean snow falls softly, falls softly. The snow crystals cover the moor. Let wanderers lost and grown weary find welcome at my cabin door. Helpless and hungry, lowly afraid, wrapped in the chill of midwinter, comes now among us, born into poverty's embrace, new life for the world. Who is this who lives with the lowly, sharing their sorrows, knowing their hunger? This is Christ revealed to the world in the eyes of a child, a child of the poor. Who is the stranger here in our midst, looking for shelter among us? Who is the outcast? Who do we see amid the poor, the children of God? Who is this who lives with the lowly, sharing their sorrows, knowing their hunger? This is Christ revealed to the world in the eyes of a child, a child of the
Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Amen. And now I'm going to ask uh, our ushers to come forward and our lighters. You remember your tutorial. Okay. And just get that and go spread out. Go spread out. for these candles. Let us pray. We lift our candles to you, Lord Jesus, the child of Christmas, the light of the world. On this holy night, we pray that your light would penetrate the darkness of a weary world, illuminating a pathway to peace, bringing the light of forgiveness to our families, bringing the light of hope to people everywhere. May the light of the Christmas child come to us once again as we sing to you on this silent night. 